Hello, Typology family, Ian Cron here once again in the Anthony Skinner Studios. Anthony is my producer, my engineer, my friend, my heart, my spirit animal. <laughs> hey, Ian, how you doing? He's my spirit animal. We're also joined here in the studio today by Percy, Percy. my seven-month-old golden doodle who has managed to eat through about five paper receipts and an expensive sock. That's already. right. He is all puppy. But he is the most Stay adorable calm, looking canine you've ever seen. He's he? beautiful. He is. And he's named after the author Walker Percy, which is a very four name for a dog. Nice. To, you know. Very special. Very special. Hey, Percy. So anyway, you know, most folks on our show don't know that not only are you the genius behind it, but that you are really, I mean, seriously, this is legit, folks. Anthony's like a renowned songwriter in Nashville. Mm. Like, he's not like just like, he's not like, you know, oh, he's like little Billy who like plays the guitar on the weekends at wedding bands. Like, this, this is the real deal. And uh, you gotta, thank you, Ian. You got a real, you got a. You've been working on this album of yours forever, and yes. it's, it's going to be coming out soon. What, where, <clears throat> status update what, okay. what's going on uh i'm i'm flying to uh, la next week for the photo shoot oh i'm flying to la yes. next week for the photo <laughs> couldn't, couldn't do it in nashville oh i see okay um but we're close we're really close um i think we'll have it wrapped in the next month or so and then uh, I, I think i'm gonna release it maybe one song at a time over Ooh. this over this next year yeah but i'm excited about it you got a t- you got a name for the you got a name for it yet um the working title is keep the faith mm. yes nice yes well i actually have been privileged to hear these songs from like ground zero up and mm. i'm just telling you folks it's uh it's going to be amazing. Thank amazing. you. Amazing. Now, speaking of songs and music, this yes. past weekend, I had an amazing experience. I went and spoke. I did an Enneagram conference in Milwaukee. Can you, Matt, can you guess? Uh, cool. Do you know who it was for? For the Salvation Army? It was the Salvation Army. Did you know, I, there's so much about the Salvation I had, Army that I had no idea about. Like, I just thought it was like kettles and like Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know there's a lot more going on with those people, man? Like, first of all, who knew it was like a church denomination? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, like... Really? Yeah, like, who knew it, right? And some of the, like, coolest people ever. Like, I was a little bit like, okay, I'm going to go be with people that, you know, ring bells in front of Walmart <laughs> for a weekend. It's uh-huh. like, it's like 400 to 500 folks. They were awesome. They were great hosts. Wow. I got to say, the production value of the actual event itself was super high. And there were some... You know, I have a guy who travels with me. He's a great guitarist, mm-hmm. Daniel Johnson. They mm-hmm. had a great band there called The Sing Team. Oh, wow. And they were really... The Sing Team. The Sing Team. And they were slamming. And uh, so, and here's another big piece of the weekend. I know, I'm full of news today. It was my 30th year of sobriety on Saturday. Whoa. Ian, congratulations. It was my 30-year anniversary. Wow, that's awesome. I know, right? 30 Woo! years. We need to ring some bells right now. Ring them bells, St. Peter. We could sing Bob Dylan's, Bob Dylan's Ring Them Come Bells. Come on, that's I, awesome. I know, man. it was good. And so, but I had to laugh because here I am with the Salvation Army on my 30th anniversary of sobriety. 30 yes. years. So then I find out, this gets, this gets all like, so synchronicity weird. Then I find out that that expression, soap, soup, and salvation, mm-hmm. Which was a song that I always loved by Lone, Lone Justice, Justice yes. Maria McKee. Oh, we're huge fans, both but of that, us, right? But that came from the Salvation Army, Soap Soup and Salvation. So while we were there, mm-hmm. I pulled Daniel up and the lead singer for this band, uh, the sing team, Brian, uh-huh. who was phenomenal. Wow. 
And um, did you remember the chorus to it? I got a guitar in my yeah, hands. Yeah, I've tried to jump in with yeah, you. Yeah, when uh, like, uh, well, soul soup and salvation, tired hearts singing jubilation, restoration at the rescue mission, soap soup and salvation. Remember that? Come on, I totally remember that. So I, I got those guys together and we sang that song and it was the highlight oh, of the weekend. Nothing fun. I said equaled soap, <laughs> soup, and salvation. That's awesome. Well, this brings me to my next point. Um, speaking of music, soap, soup, and salvation, Maria McKee, lone justice, sobriety, uh, <laughs> sex, drugs, <laughs> rock and roll, your new record coming out, going to LA. There's a theme running here. Yes. All except for the Salvation Army. Right. Um, which is actually at the end of the road for all of those other activities. Uh-huh. Um, I um, uh, want to know if you have been watching any of these, like this whole new kind of sort of new genre of rockumentaries. Yes, I'm a huge fan. Netflix, I've seen almost all of them, I would yeah. say. Okay, I have seen almost all of them myself. Yes. And in fact, last week on the elliptical at the gym, mm-hmm. I watched the, the one on Chicago, the band Chicago. Yeah, Did I just you- watched that one. It's great. Like, holy smokes. Like, yeah. I forgot. They sold like, what, 70, 80 oh, million? Like, unbelievable. How many Over like 30 years. Insane. Crazy. Oh my gosh. So many hits. And did you see, um, oh my gosh, did you see, oh, obviously you saw the Eagles one. Yes. That one's stellar. Like four hours. Four I, hours. I, I, every bit of it's And it's like amazing. watching an actual feature film. Yeah. Because it's like their life together as a band yeah. was, so what's really Tom cool. Tom Petty running down a dream. Oh my gosh. Don't stop. You know, last, uh, on another episode recently, we talked about Tom Petty. I was sad for two days. Oh. Like maybe like I one know. of my favorite most favorite songwriters in the world. Even the losers Still get lucky him. sometime. Oh my mm. gosh, man! Right? Yeah. Oh, how about this one? Oh, how'd it go? Remember, it was uh, oh, it was the first verse. Oh, don't it, say, don't it just feel a bit like heaven right now? Oh, like we're living in a dream. Remember that song? Oh, yeah. The Waiting. Oh, Tom Petty, God, God rest his soul. Mm. Anyhow, so these rockumentaries, did you see some kind of monster about Metallica? Okay, that's one that I haven't seen yet. Dude, okay, listen to me. Look me in the eye right yeah, now yeah. and promise me that in the next 24 hours... <laughs> I'm going to watch it tonight. Some kind of monster. Okay, here's how it starts off. Okay. Like most of these things, these bands have some serious sour moments. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they have a lot of ups and downs, right? Um, and uh, Metallica, the, 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 the movie starts... With the band in a therapist's office. <laughs> okay? And they're in the office trying to work out their stuff. And there is a lot well, of stuff. Yeah, no, right. no, 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 no. This is like, <laughs> there are people in the room who are homicidal. Okay? And 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 so they're in there trying to work it out because they're trying to do another record. Uh-huh. Followed by a tour, probably. Right. And these people can't stand each other at this point. They've right. been together forever. Right. It's like their 200th album. And yeah. they're like... Anyhow, today uh, on the show, we have a, a band, if you can believe it. Awesome. Like in the therapist's office in Metallica, <laughs> but it's not at all like what you might think it would be. Um, this is the band 10th Avenue North. You know these guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So their road manager got a hold of Wendy, uh, our my assistant, and said, 
hey, um, the band 10th Avenue North is on tour right now. They're out, they're out on the road with uh, Mercy Me. And um, they're in for a couple of days, home for a couple of days. And they want to come on the show to talk about how the Enneagram, how the book, The Road Back to You, among others, has helped them uh, get along. They have 20, wow. there, there's 12 that. of them on the tour bus. There are 12 bunks. Wow. They all are on the tour bus together. They're on a long tour right now. Yeah. And they just wanted to talk about how the Enneagram has helped them This get is going to be great. That's awesome. 10th Avenue North, right here on Typology Today. We're gonna. I wish we had a camera. We could. We could. We're gonna. Film we our have own. to film them. Yeah, we're gonna do it. So today, Typology's first rockumentary with the band Tenth Avenue North, including their manager, their tour manager, <laughs> their merchandise person, uh, among others, stage manager, stage manager. I I have no idea how this is going to go, but people, we're glad you're here. Get ready right now for my interview with the band Tenth Avenue. North. Tenth Avenue North, welcome to Typology. Hello. Uh, Thank you, Ian. This is um we have never had this many people in the Typology uh recording studio before. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, plus Anthony and I. We have ten people in here, man. My gosh. Trying to represent the wheel. Wow. <laughs> all right, we're going to go around and uh, well, we're just going to all introduce yourself, what you think your, your type is, and uh, what, what you play in the band, okay? So let's start. We're going to start with you, Mike. Yeah, my name is Mike. I sing. And I am either a four or a seven. A lot of confusion about that. All right. Well, maybe we'll try and clear it up a little bit. All right, Hannah, tell us uh, about you. Hannah, I am a three. And I am tour manager and on the merch team. Mm. All right. My name is Jeremy, and I am a four, and I stage manage and play a tiny bit of guitar. Nice. All right. Good. Love it. I'm Nina, and I'm a seven. And I'm usually working for Compassion International for the band, but now also merch team slash Fiesta Friday. Okay, can I just say something? Yeah, I was going to say, you have fun written on your name tag, and you're a seven, right? I mean, in Hannah's email before the weekend when she sends out roles, who's in what bunk, my role says merch slash fun. (laughs) All right. This is going to be unbelievable. Keep going. This is Brendan. I play keys in the band. Um, I'm either a five or a six, which makes sense that my wife, who you just heard from, is a seven. Because I need a little fun in my life. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, we'll see how that goes. I don't do anything in the band. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I have nothing to do with these people. I was on the street. I saw a lot of people coming in, and I got in line. <laughs> Here I am. Um, I'm Megan. I'm the wife to Ruben, the bass player. I'm a three. And... Yeah, just super interested in learning about him mostly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess I'm very complicated. My name is Ruben. Uh, I'm the bass player, and I believe I'm a one. Okay, cool. I'm Jeff. I'm the guitar player, and I know I'm a nine. You know it. I know it. You're going to own your nine. I own it, because it's the most peaceful thing I could do. Yes. It's just accept it. Right. Okay, well, we're going to find out how this works. I'm... <laughs> 
Hannah, you reached out to us. Um, we've had a couple of people do this. I mentioned Matt Carter from Bad Christian, among among others. So what was the impetus behind that? Like, what was your, like, like this would be a fun thing to do? Um, I think just because when you live on a tour bus together, you kind of just have to get along or it's horrible. And if you don't get along, it's, yeah, it's just that. So Jeff introduced the Enneagram, I would say. Maybe we were on Winter Jam last year, which is 48 dates of just nonstop touring. So Jeff came and said, oh my goodness, guys, because I was really into the Myers-Briggs. I was like, I'm an INTJ. I know it for a fact. This is what I am. Made everybody take it. I made a spreadsheet and I put it in a Dropbox and I gave everybody the link. So then I was like, if you are a, my husband's an INFP. Right. He's a four. Oh, you're married to Jeremy. Yeah, we're married. You're an INFP? I think so. You are probably a four. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, let me put it this way. If you are a four, it would be very consistent with being an INFP. Totally. Yeah. More even than an ENFP. INFPs are poets, sculptors, and fours. Okay, great. I'm a sculptor. Are you? No. Please don't tell me that. Uh, you should have lied. It would have made me feel so awesome about myself <laughs> if you had. Good. All right. Yeah. So tell us more. So I made the spreadsheet. Said if you're an INFP, how do you get along well with an INTJ? And the only person, this is not throwing anyone under the bus, but the only person that was like, hey, where's that spreadsheet? Was Brendan, who is a five slash six, doesn't know yet, and was really interested in it. So then Jeff's like, hey, guys, the Enneagram. And all of us were like, oh, cool, yeah, awesome. And him and his wife really found a lot of freedom and beauty in it. So we all started taking the test. It came out that I was a one. It didn't really resonate with that. Mm-hmm. And then when I found out I was a three and then read about it and then didn't want to have a four wing, so I said I was a three with a two forever. Hold on, why didn't you want to be a three with a four wing? I just didn't want it. I was not what I was. I would. I just wasn't it. <laughs> it wasn't me. I, just, I was a two. I was not a four. And then um, recently just accepted that. Like on the last tour we were just on. I was like, I'm a four, I have four in me for sure. Um, so when I had, yeah, everybody take the test and Jeff and I have been talking about it. And then it just kind of turned into this thing where we were all finding that we liked each other more because we could get each other hmm. and not hold anything against each other. Um so then we started, we read your book, everybody. We all audio books, some of us, some of us had the physical copy and made a ton of notes in it. Um, yeah, so I was like, became a three real quick, sent an email to your booking, the bottom of your website. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. I was on the bus and I'm like, guys, I just sent this email and I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, affirm me, please, everyone give me affirmation because I need you to tell me I'm doing a good job. And Jeff the Nine did, and then that's how it happened. Jeff the Nine. <laughs> you guys, you have picked the right number for this job. That 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 oh, yeah. that Hanson man, you have got the right number. You, you you will be successful for many years to come with a three on the bus, man, and working working for you. Um, so, um, Jeff, how did you know? about the Enneagram and what what was it that motivated you to, to want this to become part of the vernacular or the communication style of, of this group? Uh, well, it started on vacation last year 
when my best friend and his wife had like taken the test and they were like hey you should uh have you guys heard of this thing called enneagram it's this test and i'm like i don't know i've done the myers-briggs thing didn't go into the dropbox folder didn't look at it it's like it's always been nebulous like it's never quite like i read the i read what it the results are and i'm never like oh my gosh this is so revealing it's always confusing so we did the test and it said i was a three and i'm like already nope I'm not a three, whatever that descriptor is. Like, that's that's just not me. And But my wife took it, and it was it was more accurate. She's a one. And, uh, and so with these tests, like, I've got a problem with the test already because I feel like it's like a bar, like a parlor trick. Like, take the test, and this is what you are. And I met somebody the other day. Take the was, test, and then we get your email, and this is what you are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well... Hey Dave, I was talking to somebody. Uh, I was talking to somebody a while ago, and they're like, "Yeah, I took the test. I'm a seven, a six, and a four. And I was like, "Ah, that's not how it works. You're just more confused." Um, so anyway, so so we bought your book, and we were reading through the book, and I've been in the band for eleven years, and I've been psychologically analyzing most of its members for just as long. <laughs> And so reading this book, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, this explains so much as to why so-and-so does things this way and explains so much of why I feel this about that. And, and it's a, you know, it was a more comprehensive view of, of each number and, um, and just resonating. And I don't know if, if you said this or Richard Rohr said it, but whatever number gives you the most shame is probably your number. I think Richard said that. Yeah, I think we both said it. Whatever one I'll makes you, you queasy, makes, yeah, you, yeah. makes you want to maybe crawl under a chair because someone's been reading your yeah. mail. It's like, oh my it. gosh, I'm a sloth and I don't like conflict. I want to avoid it and do nothing instead. But I bet you're the easiest guy on the bus to get along with. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah. Am I? Okay. <laughs> Can I just tell you yes. something? Like, y'all, do you guys know uh, Randy Williams? He used to yes. play guitar for Jeremy Camp. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. So Randy and Kate are like two of our best friends. He's a nine, and he said, oh, I love touring, man. I love being on the bus. I said, oh, of course you do. And everybody, no, who would want to fire a nine? Yeah. You know, they're like the most easy going. <laughs> oh, you guys want to turn around and go start off? Oh, okay. You know, it's like they're just the most usually easy going, great travel companions. No, so low maintenance. Am I sort of describing what? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the affirmation. <laughs> oh, there's going to be a lot of love in the circle, man. Yeah. So, Je- so Jeff, this is Mike talk. Jeff came and he just going, you guys, this has revolutionized my marriage. Mm. Like, because we're oh, yeah. understanding each other. And so that's when I went, all right, I'll read it, I guess, if it revolutionized your marriage. And Well, if this gives you an insight, Mike, his little name tag says four or seven. One of his first questions was, so what's the best number? I said that? Oh, yeah. That was one of your first questions. I said, there's no real best I don't remember number, saying right? that. Did oh, I say you that? said it. What's I, the best? Oh, yeah. I oh, can yeah. attest to him saying I, it. I said, what's the best? No, that's awesome. All right. So have you guys, by the way, seen um, the Metallica documentary? Yep. You, <laughs> right? Some kind of monster? Yep. You guys, the rest of you haven't seen it yet? All right. Have you seen the Eagles documentary? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. If you've seen the Eagles, you have got to see some kind of monster. All right? It starts with the band in a therapist's office. Uh, 
That's awesome. Okay. And they're trying to make a new album, right? And they haven't done one in what, like two years or something? I don't remember what it was. Yeah. And they're going to follow it up with a tour. And they really describe the state of the band, like what their relationships are like. They're not getting along very well. Oh, <laughs> that's an understatement, man. Like, one guy is like, it's bad. It is it not good. It makes you feel good about the state of your band if you're oh. just watching them interact. Oh, my gosh. It's unbelievable yeah. to watch. And then you watch Don Henley and, and uh, uh, Fry and, and um, yeah. uh, the Eagles documentary, and you can just see the, the – you can just it's coming through. it's coming through the screen, man. You are it's painful. It is painful to watch. So I've been looking forward to this because it's like, I feel like this is the opening of some kind of monster. I'm in a room with a band. Uh, it's a glad, I'm actually a little disappointed that you all apparently like each other. Should we other. start throwing things? Yeah, just man. No, I'm a little that, disappointed that you all are this like. This is where we break up. This is where you break up. I'm going to lead you off an edge. You come in here, you're all going to love on each other. By the time you leave, you're going to hate each other. It's going to be awesome. So you're on a bus. Are all of you on the same bus at the same time? You're, and you're all bunking on the same bus all the time? Whoa. Yep. That's a big bus. Yeah. Wow. So imagine going to work with people, waking up, and you're immediately at work with people, <laughs> and then you eat every meal with everybody, and then you go to bed with the people you just went to work with. And on top of that, you, you show someone through a tour bus, and they're always really impressed. And yeah. you go, look at this tour bus. Like, wow. I go, you see, yeah. the problem is you're comparing this to a car, and not a house for 12 people. <laughs> so, Yes, I have been on a tour bus, and I, um, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So just give me like an overview of like how the Enneagram has, I mean, has it, has it changed stuff for you guys? I mean, can you like say, okay, before we knew this, you know, like B-E We and were Metallica A-E, you know? before, <laughs> and now that's why we all like each other now is because the Enneagram. Amazing. <laughs> so before Metallica, and uh, currently I can't think of a band that uh, maybe uh, Dave Matthews band. <laughs> Dave, yeah, every yeah, right. Everyone Fish, seems everyone's to be pretty so happy. They're getting along. Yeah. So, um, but seriously, has it changed the dynamic? How has it changed it? I, mean, I think it's changed conflict. At least for me, as soon as conflict hap- happening, I have a much greater amount of empathy toward why that person is frustrated because I'm like oh this thing that I always did because I just felt I'm not I'm not feeling like I'm doing anything wrong by doing it I now see like if I just shift the set list right before we go on stage for the five maybe six that could be a very stressful thing that I'm doing to him um totally yes (laughs) (laughs) okay I agree with that. And then also, this is Brendan, the five slash maybe six. Um, so Mike is our lead singer. He's definitely the most outgoing of all of us. And he's just always on. He's always entertaining, always like jumping around, making jokes. He does this thing where he grabs people with his fingers in their side and says, Viper! <laughs> And it's my least favorite thing in life. Everyone else loves it. <laughs> Everyone else so loves it. The Enneagram yeah. has helped me understand that Mike doesn't hate me. He's inviting me to play. <laughs> and I, I, it seriously has helped just understand, wow, Mike 
doesn't just need attention. He, he needs a actually, leash. Yeah, yeah. just a yes. leash. That's all. He doesn't just need attention. He needs a leash. I was on yeah. one as a child. Yes. <laughs> Did your mom actually put you in one of those things where you used to true, walk out? True, this is a true story. Disney World, four years old, on a leash. Mom looks out 30 yards away. She goes, that kid looks like Mike. She looks down at the leash. I'd taken the leash off and put it on another child. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> that didn't happen. True story. Mm. Ask, get Sharon in here. She'll tell you. Wow. All right. All right. Uh, someone else, like, tell, tell me what um, you're, like, yeah, how has it affected the dynamic? Ruben and I communicate on a different level. Mm. You and I. Now, we, uh, since understanding the Enneagram, I think, like, with conflict, I'm looking at you, Ruben, because we've had a couple things where, like, hey, uh, hey, I know you're a one, and so... I'm going to approach this like, you know, considering that you really want this, whatever it was to like, you know, be perfect, you know, and that's where your stress comes from. Mine is because, you know, maybe you're mad at me or whatever. So I think just knowing somewhere the, just where someone else's starting place and for conflict for me, is just so crazy. Yeah. Uh, this is Ruben, the one I, I have, I believe a nine wing. And so when Jeff and I interact, Jeff is a nine. I have a nine wing. It's like, oh, no, it's cool. Oh, yeah, you good? Like, yeah, that was great. Oh, awesome. Like, there's a lot of times where nothing really gets done, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and it's like, what are we even talking about? <laughs> well, that's, that would make sense, too, because nines, you know, have a communication style. It's called Epic Saga. And they can just yeah. start here. And then it, it goes on detours you didn't even know existed. You know, like, just all, like, like circuitous. One's, man, linear. Usually pretty yeah, pretty yeah. straightforward, but yeah. that nine wing is I guess cut and loose. You know you can yeah. You can I mean okay. like I mean I, I don't like like moments of conflict either. But one thing that happened, uh, I think it was during rehearsals for a Christmas tour that we did recently. But Jeff had come over to my side of the stage. We had taken a break uh, between songs, and he said um, in a very nine tone, he was like, "Hey, so uh, uh, is anything offensive happening in your ear coming from my side of the stage?" In other words, like, am I playing anything terribly wrong that you're noticing that I'm not? And it, it was, he worded it like so gently, but it was also like, man, I, it, it's almost like he's presenting like, hey, you have a, he has a one wing, so he has a bit of this too, but it's almost like you have this tool that maybe uh, you have more of it than I do. Like, do you see anything that could like benefit the greater good or whatever? So it was like, wow, I'd, I'd never thought about it in those terms. Like, let's use this in a communal, like, aspect to get things done in a better way. But, like, each person has a different set of skills, you know? Mm. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, so how has it maybe changed your awareness or um, supported um, a previous conviction about what's best in each of you? And what's most challenging in each of you? Like how, you know, was anything a surprise or like pick somebody else in in the, in the room and say, yeah, this really, this is what I, this is what you bring to the equation that as that type that has made our community and our music better because you're with us. Um, I, Knowing that Brendan is a five slash six, I've, I can understand 
there's that starting place again. I can understand where Brennan's coming from when Mike, who's very impassioned, it always comes back to the set list when like Mike is impassioned about the set list. I want to change it at the very last minute. I'm a nine, so I'm like, man, whatever everyone's going to feel comfortable with, let's just do that. And Mike's like, no, this from this song to this song, it's going to be great. The whole night's going to be awesome. And so Mike is really passionate about shaping things for the audience. Brendan, on the other hand, wants things to go well and smoothly. And so now I understand this this dichotomy where like, our set will be great because Brendan is is wired the way he is. And our set will be great for the whole because Mike's wired the way that, that he is, mm. you know, for the audience. And I'm kind of in the middle going, man, guys, let's just keep it cool here. <laughs> yeah, knowing, so for me, like, I'm feeling just what feels right. And so I hate when we have to meticulously drill down a set list to, like, second by second. How many times through this progression here? How many times... And so I was always just changing it and then learning Brennan's a five, six Ruben is a one, a perfectionist, right? They would both come to me and go, Hey, when you did that last second, it didn't allow us to present the best version of ourselves. But then I come back, I go, yeah, but if we just did the exact same thing every night, I would want to die. <laughs> and so it, it actually has created this really beautiful thing where I realize now, okay, I can't change the set list on them right at the last second, but we've built into each song places where they've allowed me the freedom of spontaneity, where there's like this part of this song could go for four progressions or it could go for 16, and then they're going off a cue that I'm giving them. So there's like this middle ground where we're both understanding of what each other needs, and we both can like experience the best possible version of our set and concert yeah one thing uh, this is Ruben the one one thing Mike has said over the years <clears throat> during a set is like hey it's good enough for rock and roll <laughs> and Bruce Springsteen as, baby that's right yeah. it's close enough for rock and roll that's usually around tuning though <laughs> so like so for myself and for Brendan the five six like that is uh it's like nails on a chalkboard because the people who make it sound like it's good enough for rock and roll really are like incredible professional musicians who just make it seem like, you know what I mean? Like uh, they make it seem as though it's effortless or whatever it is they're doing on stage, but it comes out in that fashion. So it's almost like, yeah, it's good enough for rock and roll, but to me and Brendan, it's like, well, let's make this performance or this execution the best it could possibly be to give a better foundation for emotion and spontaneity and whatever else. But it's been awesome to see Mike come alive in those moments. Cause I can now understand like he doesn't want to sabotage, you know, anything <laughs> or like he doesn't want to, this was supposed to be positive. Ruben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's good because like I used to feel somewhat embarrassed in those moments, but now I understand like the way that you come alive. It, it makes me excited to like enjoy that moment with you. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And bigger picture, stuff mike i really appreciate this is brendan by the way mm -hmm. that you have the bigger picture in mind and take the to take the audience on a journey not just musically but also um, subject matter wise and spiritually is really cool and i realize that 
if everybody was a five or six, the band would be terrible and nobody would want to see us. <laughs> really? <laughs> a group of five and sixes would probably want to watch us. So, <laughs> But if it was fives and fours, you'd have Radiohead. Just saying, or Ooh. or talking heads for that matter. I guess every band that has head in the, in the title or somewhere in its name somewhere, you'd be David Byrne maybe. So, uh, Mike, I want to talk about you for a second. Are you? Everyone is doing a great deal of talking about you, um, and so I, I think I, I think I need to direct my attention in your your direction. Um, are uh, this may be an awkward question, but that's why we're here. Um, are you considered the leader of this band? Yes. Is that is that? What? Come on now, nod, people, nod yep. out loud. Okay. Yes. Yep. So, um, I want to ask you a question. Um, based on what I'm hearing, because you are confused as to whether you're potentially a four or mm-hmm. a seven, right? What is it about those two numbers that, like, what would make you think that that you're a four or a seven? And where do you think you you you? In what direction do you think you err or lean? Not err. I feel like I err in all sorts of directions. Um, I th- I think if I answer the Enneagram, when I was 20 years old, I was a golden retriever puppy, fear of missing out, running through my campus from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. I mean, I was terrified of missing out. <clears throat> and so when I answer the Enneagram that way, I'm like, oh, I'm a seven. I'm an ENFP. No question. Is that what your is that what your uh-huh. Myers is ENFP? Uh-huh. Yeah. But what's been interesting, um, right after college, I actually started some contemplative practices that I never did when I was twenty. And so, in my early twenties, I started spending long periods of time in prayer, and uh, and then writing, blogging, and then. Um, writing songs and uh, like writing has become a journaling and all that. And so I've actually become much more introverted than I used to be over time. And uh, so I'm I like uh, four like loves to feel their feelings. And that's like, that is me. I'm not afraid to feel sad. Like I'm not, I don't resonate with the seven that, if I'm feeling sad, I need to spin it in a positive light. Uh, I want to spin it in a positive light, but I'm also like really okay feeling depressed, you know? So I've kind of, I'm just sort of confused because I feel like if I were able to identify myself, it would be helpful mm-hmm. for everybody else. Um, so everyone, but everyone in the band thinks I'm a four, except for Brendan. You all think he's a four. Why do you think that? I, because it's it's kind of what we witness, like this the set, the feeling. It's it, for Mike. It comes down to uh, he's so in touch with his emotion and sensitive to others. Where Nina, as a seven, we had a conversation yesterday that someone was like, "Pick your pain. Like it's either going to be you're going to say no to this or no to that." And Nina's like, I, "I was thinking like pick your pleasure. Like those both sound like a good time. Pick your prize. <laughs> pick your prize. Yeah, yeah." yeah. So I I think with Mike, uh, there's so much uh, to the world that he wants meaning. Mm-hmm. He wants everything to have a purpose. Where we're like, the music would sound good if we played this song after this song. 
But he's like, oh, no, I want to weave a story for the audience. I want one song to go into the other thematically. And I want people to feel, feel. That's how it goes back to the feel. So, Like Dead Poets Society is my favorite movie. Why? Uh, because it's it's like waking these these dudes up to like, oh, my goodness, your life is here to live it and to experience it and to suck the marrow out of life right and and even like the tragedy of it of was that worth it you know to like awaken that person you know to then they follow that the wrong path right to self-destruction and uh and then it's i don't know just i just feel so many things Mm -hmm. watching that movie and also you identify a great movie by I cried like three times. <laughs> you got to go see this movie. I cried like Did four times. Did you see times. Manchester by the Sea? No, but see, that's what's funny is when something is, I feel like, exploitively sorrowful, I don't want to watch it. Oh, it's not. That's an exquisitely, it's yeah, an exquisitely. It was presented to me as yeah. that. I need, to, I need to give it a shot. You need to give it a shot. All right, I'll give it what's a shot. What's your favorite movie? Probably Dead Poets Society. Dead, okay, you just said that. Okay, yeah, that was great. There. Uh all right. I really um, liked Coco, okay, the Pixar well, movie. Uh-huh, <laughs> <Just kidding. okay. laughs> all right. No, one of my favorite all-time movies uh, that's like a little lesser-known movie is this movie called About Time. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this? Where he's presented mm-hmm. that he can time travel back yep, in his I've own life. It. And the takeaway mm-hmm. of that movie, I cried through the last 20 minutes of that movie. Because mm-hmm. I like, yes, I want to live every day, like, all the way, mm-hmm. you know? So okay. what's that? Is that a four or a seven? <laughs> I cried well, too. That whole movie. Okay, see there, there you go. So you know, it's interesting. Um, I would say that um, what's interesting is the way that they're describing you is uh, sevens can oftentimes look like very heart people because there's there's um, a great deal of passion. Right mm-hmm. and excitement and my son's a seven and he, he there's nothing he loves more than a sad soundtrack. Okay, you know I mean he'll listen to, if you ever get a chance listen to Elgar's Nimrod variations. My son can't stop listening to it. Yeah. You know it's like very sad British pastoral symphony symphonic music. You know it's and yet it's almost like for him it's like well I can dip my feet in pain for a little bit as long as I'm in control and I can get back out. Right, I get that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, as long as I have an escape hatch, you know uh-huh. I'm okay with it. But I wouldn't want to be there ever long. Um, and it, when I found out he was a seven, I was really surprised. Well, I wasn't surprised because but, but because sevens are very much, they're in the head or the mental triad, right? Mm-hmm. So they first encounter the world through thought, not through, not through feelings. But he's so tactile. He's very touchy. He's very affectionate. He's, um, you know, will tell you, I love you. But it, um, so I was like, oh, he's a heart guy like me. I'm a four, you know, and he's like, I'm like, no, and then when we got to you know his late teens and stuff, he really I realized he really meets the world at the level of ideas first, and they can so excite him hmm. and thrill him, um, and he becomes very very passionate about it. Um, so all to say that you didn't say anything there, you didn't describe anything there that wasn't seven, or was explicitly four. Does that does that make sense? Like. Like one question I would ask you guys, because we're going to try and nail you down before okay. you're the leader of the band, man. We can't have this going on. This can't be a question but all the time, right? How how deeply moody is he? How often do his moods change? Ooh, like the wind. 
<laughs> no, but I mean like not just from, you know, happy to less happy. I mean like from happy to, you know, within the course of like, you know, a very short period of time. And, and there, they could be nuanced from melancholy to happy to ecstasy to kind of sad and wistful, uh, like all over the map, don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes you walk on eggshells in a bus of 12 with a band leader who's maybe like, you're like, this is like manic depressive stuff. We can't figure out where he is on the spectrum at any given moment. Yeah. Um, so when I Hannah, tour manager, Hannah, okay, who's various, ex- has to be exquisitely attuned to dynamics, yes? Yeah. Um, when I communicate with each of the guys, it's always different. So with Ruben, I know he just needs it to be right. Because he's a one. Because he's a one. Mm-hmm. So if I tell him, hey, there might there might be a runner around two so we can get you to the gym, he's going to go, so at two or to 10. So I know before to give, well, any of them information, I'll make sure it's correct. And But Brendan, as a f- you know, five or six, same, he needs to figure that out as well. Um no pressure as a five or six. <laughs> I mean, I'd love for you Don't to do that because that's execution, but whatever. Um, I know that he needs the same thing. He just needs it to be, just tell me and I'm good to go. Just information. Um, with Mike, I know that it needs to come in the right moment. So when I communicate something to him, even well before I was doing any kind of tour management, even when I was just kind of around them, I know it needs to come in the right moment at the right time. Uh, feel it out first. See where he's at. If, I mean, this weekend we just got back from a run of shows and it was a really emotional weekend for all of us. It just so happened to, it was really beautiful at times, really hard at times. Um, for three, that's not awesome. I'm like, all right, let's just keep going. Right, you're all about the efficiency. We got stuff to do. Yep. Let's get it done. Yeah. Like we're in the front lounge having an awesome moment, but I'm also looking and lunch is about to go up and I need to send a text out, but I'm not going to be rude. So I'm just going to like chill for a second and then I'll send it as soon as we're done here. But I'm, I'm in the moment. I'm here. But Mike felt emotion strong this weekend and it was awesome. It was awesome to see. But there was also moments where that made me go, he's a four with a three. Because my husband, Jeremy, stage manager, is a four with a five. And it's really, it's really, that's just known. Like you could just, you just know it when you know Jer. But Mike, when I read about the three wing working with the four, it makes me go, I just think that's what he is. Because it's performer and it's, it's awesome. It's what, because I feel like I have that four wing, like I said. So it's the opposite of me. Um, but when I'm communicating with him, I feel as though it's very, it is an emotional experience. It's not a logical experience. It's not a head. Mm -hmm. It has to be, Hey, you might be feeling this way. Let me tell you ABC or he had a bad day and I'm not going to come up to him and say this, this, and this is wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, you look great. What's going (laughs) on? (laughs) Um, the stage setup is a little weird tonight, but I promise it's going to be awesome. And it's almost like yeah. a sandwiching it. So the emotion can be not contained in a bad way, but just it's not so much like today is awful and I'm so sorry. It's almost like I know that that's easily it can get your head before a show, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Brenda, do you sometimes find Mike irrational? Often. <laughs> All right, tell me about that. 
I mean, you're a five. You think you're either a five or a six. Tell me. We keep going back to the set list thing. I'm going to try to. Think yeah, this is the thing with you guys, man. I can, you know, if I've put the meter on, if it's only 200 an hour, I'll fix the set list thing for you guys <laughs> if you want. You got to think. You got five, ones, nines. Everyone wants it to I, be a certain way. I'm feeling stuff over here. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I, I like. <laughs> I'm all for like feeling feeling uh good about the set audience feeling good but if it's done incorrectly i'm just like well, what's the point if we're gonna if we're gonna give them like you know only 70 percent of our best like what is the you ever listen to a ray charles track where his voice squeaks yeah, but he's ray charles yeah but it makes you feel did you just ask that. who ray charles was he did said you? did you ever listen to ray charles mm-hmm. yeah georgia <laughs> georgia he said yeah huh? but he's Oh, oh, he's Ray Charles. I thought you said, who's Ray Charles? I was oh, going to be like, no, sweet no, gosh. No, no, no. <laughs> I was like, um, immediately fire Ruben, people. <laughs> there's, cer- there's, there's certain emotions that are achieved through the imperfection of a spontaneous moment that actually, though it's wrong, is air actually... Quotes, all those listeners, air, air quotes. Quote, yeah. Air quote. It's, it's endearing, and it even creates a moment of camaraderie with the audience. Because I've seen like some of my favorite bands, someone shouts out a song, and they literally go, "We've ne- we haven't played that song in ten years." I'm thinking of a time I saw a band do this, and they just just destroyed the song. It sounded awful, but it was this moment where, from that moment, the the crowd was way more into it because mm-hmm. they had acknowledged someone, and there's this moment, at least from where I was sitting. You guys probably had a different experience if you were at the same concert, but. I was like, see, like, it was wrong, but it was so right. Yeah, I saw I saw Patty Smith with you two one night, and she was so gosh awful. I mean, it was like she was so out of tune and nutty, and it was so gorgeous. <laughs> it was like one of those things. It was like, God, it's just fantastic. It was at Madison Square Garden. She was amazing and flat and out of her mind and complete. And then she was singing Imagine John Lennon's Imagine. It was just like. It doesn't get any better than that. But I want to ask, so I'm going to ask you a question about that, Mike, because I think this is really important. What's When you're on stage, the moment you most feel alive and like, this is what I'm here to do, happens when? What's going on for you when that happens? Like you just described something that was like, I'm not going to use a word because I don't even want to use the word that I'm thinking of, but that like lights you up. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the exact performance of notes. Mm-hmm. I know that. And it has everything to do with how the crowd is responding. What are they responding like when you suddenly feel like like you have connected in a way that you don't even have language for? Yeah, so when I, like let's say in between songs, I start saying something, communicating something. And then when someone in the audience shouts back, yeah, or, you know, there's a visceral exchange, I go, yeah, this is happening now, you know, mm-hmm. like this thing we're presenting is actually, we're, we're meeting the audience together and we're becoming like one thing. Okay. Uh, would the word maybe be transcendent? Sure. So it's a moment where you feel as though something larger than us has now taken hold of the space and there's a sort of a humid quality of something else in the room that makes me feel like... That, that not just that I'm experiencing this transcendent thing, but we 
it's always a communal like cuz i've had lots of times where i've i've experienced that in prayer or through worship or whatever but as as a band it's when we us and the audience are all experiencing that together mm-hmm. that's when it all right so two things i'll just be very direct on two questions one is when you were growing up, did you feel like like sort of like a, a wizard living in a muggle world? <laughs> that there was something about you that was yes. different and yep. that probably you weren't you were born into a family that you may not have actually like you're like looking around going, I don't know how I ended up in this family. Everyone is so different than me. And I Well, I've, my f- I've grew up in a family that everyone around me said your family is so different and weird. <laughs> okay. And um, as a as a so kid, I felt like I was in a wizard family in a Muggle world. Yes. Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> I've apparently homeschooled. Uh, so um, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, so you um, did you feel um, like a sense of um, that you would never quite belong or fit in that the way you saw the world was different than other the way that other people saw the world. Uh that feeling started happening to me in like the end of high school. Okay. But I I don't I don't imagine I don't remember feeling that way as a young child. Right. Well, hmm, no, maybe I take that back. I felt like the rules didn't apply to me. Really? Like what does that mean? Like in seventh grade, I remember my science teacher walked out of the room and I immediately climbed on top of my desk and blew up a paper bag and raised it up over my head to break it. And she came back in suddenly and she looked straight at me and said, don't. And I just went, (laughs) (laughs) just, I felt like doing this. What do we, what's, what's this hurting anybody, you know? So did you did you feel like there was some deficiency or something off about you like that there was something broken inside that made I, you different? I I did feel that way. I had an amazing 7th grade principal who I got sent to the office 42 times in 7th grade. Really? And I didn't get sent once in 8th grade. Because? Cuz I would just go and he would talk to me like a real human and kind of made me feel like like he caught me I I cite this story often. He caught me stealing candy out of the candy machine once. You know how you used to be able to monkey your arm up? Yeah. And I was in the act of stealing Starburst from the bottom row of the vending machine. And he came around the corner and he looks at me and he goes, so Michael, you tell me that your uh, integrity is worth 50 cents. I always thought it was worth more than that. And they just walked away and let me sort of come to the conclusion myself. And so I didn't feel necessarily broken because he he kept forcing me to look inside myself and come to those conclusions as opposed to, I really resisted when teachers were just, you got to do it this way. And it's got to be like this. I was like, why does it have to be like that? But Mm. he helped me see, no, there's not something wrong with you. You just need to come to your own conclusions. Interesting. All right. We're going to come back to you. It's actually, you're, you're, you're a strange man. All right. (laughs) Uh, you tell just, me something I don't know. And you're, you're, what was your Myers Briggs again? ENFP. ENFP. Okay. Brendan, you, you're not sure if you're a five or a six. All right, how many in this band thinks, think that Brendan's a five? One, two, three, four. Oh, five of you do. 
right. And by the way, a man named Dave has walked into the room who I have not acknowledged. He's sitting on the floor over there. Dave, who are you and what are you doing here? <laughs> Hi, um, I'm their manager, so I'm, I'm oh. just stopping by to have a listen here. Fantastic. I'm a seven, by the way. You're a seven. All the way. Or do you think he's yeah. a seven or a four? Manager? I would have thought initially from, because we've had all these conversations right. on the bus or whatever, um, I first would have thought a four, but listening to some of the things today... I, w- I probably would think a seven. Okay. So. Yeah, okay. All right, let's talk about Brennan for a second. What, all of you seem to think that Brennan's a five. Who thought he was a six? You think he's a six? Yeah. All right, and you guys are together, right? Yep. Okay, and you guys are married. Why do you think he's a six and not a five? I've said this to him. This is not new news. Um, he has one and five behavior, and it's all for the sake of safety and security. Uh, the motivation behind it. Um, so, yeah, but it's been really interesting because a lot of the uh, – it's hard. It's either five with a six wing or six with a five wing, and both when we read about them, they're really, really similar. And so the sort of analytical, structured uh, – he has amazing discipline in everything that he does. Um, so that's very five-ish. Amazing. Um, yeah, totally. Um, but, yeah, for the sake of – safety for our family for himself um, whatever we're doing he's very conscious of that mm. okay to put it in a few words all right what do you think brandon what do you think you are <clears throat> well i definitely resonate with five and six but also four so i'm wondering if i don't know if this is possible to be a five with two wings one on each side well you'd have a dominant wing uh, that doesn't mean that you wouldn't have access to the other side, but you would be dominantly to one side. So we we tend to think that, or a lot of teachers do, who teach wings. A lot some teachers don't even teach wings, right? But that you would be a one wing in the first half of life, and you would tend to migrate in the second half of life to the other wing. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that is always. I'm not going to say it's a law. It was. It yeah. was true in my life, but okay. keep going. What? Tell me. So when you said that, I was tempted you to ask. I was tempted to ask you another question okay, yeah, go to get the focus off of me. Mm-hmm. So I found myself constantly asking other people questions so I don't have to be in the spotlight. And I think, see, before the show we were talking about um, I might be a five because I love information. Like when we're on the road, I love just experiencing new things to have conquered like if we if we're in a new city i want to look at the map i want to know exactly where we are i want to experience all the best things in the city not for good times necessarily like my wife but because i want to feel like i've accomplished the city and don't have any left any questions left unanswered i guess Mm -hmm. um and then i was thinking back my whole life I've wanted to be in a band playing music and I just thought wouldn't that be amazing to play music for a living um, point people to something bigger than ourselves um, and that's what I'm doing right now and I'm super grateful for that but I didn't realize that 23 hours of the day you're in very close quarters with other people and so on a typical day you'll find me like in a janitor's closet or like some place in the building the or best, even the best story is we were at a festival once and we all started going has anyone seen brendan 
anyone seen Brendan? No, I haven't seen him for hours. And then I went to get my bag under the bus bay, literally lifted up the luggage bay, and there's Brennan, like, what? Looks at me, well, and he's and just... What was he do- and what was he doing? He's reading something. What was he I, reading? What, what were you reading? I don't, I don't even know. remember. But you ha- I feel like you're wearing, like, your headlight, your little flash, like, <laughs> headband flashlight thing, yeah. and you're just sitting under there. Terrified me. Yeah, so it makes me think, when I hear fives say that they have an energy tank and they have to make it home before they run out of gas. I really resonate with that. It's hard for me to decipher what's like, am I exhausted just because of preview and review or am I exhausted just because that's the way I'm wired Mm -hmm. to not be around people as much as a lot of other people can be around a crowd. Yeah. So Neil, let's see a question. You're seven. And Brendan, you, we we think you, you, right, you might be a five or six, right? Yeah. When you guys go to a party, and there's a lot of people there, particularly let's say people you, let's say there's a lot of people that you don't know. Yeah. You walk in there and you're just like a rabbit. You're probably like, this is the best thing ever. I'm going to meet lots of people. I'm, you know, I'm, a, you know, uh, no, but you're yeah. you're very comfortable and you're you're, but you are pinging around, mm-hmm. right? And you are. Um, you have a lot of energy, yes. right? In that space, and I'm Brandon, up and Brandon, what about you? What happens to you in that space? Like, do you guys ever, do you ever feel like I wish we brought two cars? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I've heard you say that example a couple times, and I've actually uh, thought of incorporating that. No thanks. <laughs> uh, I resist that because that feels weird to me. I right. want to be together. Sure. And I'm fine with us like meeting in the middle mm-hmm. and we'll leave when we're both good. Yeah. But yeah, he always wants to leave first. Yeah, so, you know, everybody's got a different strategy. Totally. They're not always the, not one size fits all, you know? Yeah. All right. So guys, here's the thing about the Enneagram. Um, and just so this is actually for people listening. It's not what you do so much as why you do it. Mm-hmm. So we are all, we all, we all contain all nine numbers. It's not like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm this and I'm not that. No, you are actually all of what we're speaking about, right? There are times, I'm a four, but there are times I look like an eight. I can get pretty pissy and I can get into a pretty good froth about stuff and get, you know, combative. There are times when I'm a one, feel very, like around writing. I'm a nutty one. Like, I'll spend an hour thinking about, two hours, like, that's not the right word. In one sentence, I should keep going. You know, he'll come back to no. Got to find that word. Got to find that phrase. You know, I get like out of my mind. I'm um, very much a. Uh, I have a five kind of wing. You know, uh, and so that would explain. You know, my my desire to know. And so, all this to say, do you relate more to this idea? I have a compulsive need to know, understand, and perceive things. Um, and. Um, yeah, it's like I, I just I can't sort of stop wanting to know and understand and and perceive things. Or, is do you feel a compulsive need to feel safe, secure, and uh, like you're supported? I think I need. I think the former, in order to get the latter. Okay, now this is really important because. That would make sense if you were a five. Uh, we're in the we're in the fear space here. These are fear management systems, right? Um, you know, and, and also temperament and disposition. I mean, you know, uh, personality is not just 
you know, um, made up of what we've experienced in life or, you know, that, that create that, that contributes, but you know, we are born certain ways. Like, like if you are a seven, you, you came into the world, I guarantee you came in the world sunny and probably pretty optimistic. I got a seven kid. I mean, he came into the world laughing. You know what I mean? So that's a disposition. You know, you'd have to work hard to become a depressive. But some people come into the world of more melancholy kind of depressive types, you know. Or any of you who have kids, you know this. The kids, you've got anxious kids. You're like, I don't know why the kid's so anxious. He's just born anxious, you know. Yeah. So in, in this situation, like uh, a five is trying to, this is a way of dealing with issues of fear, right? Which, yeah, totally. Right? And security. So what, what, what fives tend to do is they interact and then they retreat up into the mind where they feel more confident and safe. Um, and, uh, they would do things like get into the bay, uh, of a bus. And, and I would also say this, like the, we, I've used the word investigator, but I kind of regret it. I use that in the book. I wish I'd use the word observer because, uh, and you asked this question earlier. I don't, I don't resonate necessarily with the high IQ that people tend to, the, that's that's sort of a stereotype, not a type. Like you could be, you could have an IQ of ninety and be a five on, uh, you know, on the Enneagram. What would make every five a five? Isn't intelligence? It's they're all observant. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that makes ch- sense. Yeah, I mean, were you the kid who sat on the side of the playground and observed all the other kids for a lot longer before you jumped in? Um, I observed a little bit. I always kind of let somebody go ahead to test the waters. Uh-huh. Recently we were in New Zealand and I literally let Mike test the waters when we were jumping off a rock in the ocean. <laughs> and uh, so I'm, I'm shortly behind the guy who's testing the waters. Right. Okay. So which of those two though, you, you identified more with the, the, that of the five, right? What I've read about fives and the podcasts I've listened to about fives. I've literally been, literally been in the YMCA almost in tears just because of some of the things I've heard. Like, I don't have to know that or figure that out. Like something as simple as that just is deeply comforting to me when I feel like I have to figure everything out. So are you both a deep thinker and a deep feeler? Yes, very much. Some people maybe don't know I'm, I feel as much as I do, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I'm kind of melancholy a lot of the times. So I, it sounds like, it sounds like um, that there's like that five with four quality, which is an unbelievably interesting set of numbers to have as a core, a, a core number and a, or a dominant number and your wing. Um, but I think it's probably the most interesting on the Enneagram. <laughs> Uh, hmm. because you've got one foot sitting in that mental triad and one foot in the feeling triad. And, and it's the farthest distance from the two numbers on the Enneagram. And it, 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 it comes with, um, this is why, like I wasn't kidding earlier. I think like, um, well, if you're, uh, into uh, contemplative life, it's a little bit like, uh, or even let me put in music. It's a little bit like, um, well, I said this earlier, like David Byrne of talking heads, five with fours also tend to be quirkier than five with six. Um, <laughs> well, you, <laughs> Mike is looking over here with a big grin on his face. Yeah, you want to tell me something, Mike? Uh, yeah, but I'm here's the thing: quirky. That's a, so you've the, got the right. You word. got one foot in the in the feeling space, one in the head space. 
Yeah. And that means that that people have a hard time getting away from what you're doing because you, you can come at them at both the level of feeling and thinking. Are you writing in this band? Uh, music. Music, right? Not a lyricist. Okay. Because because that's what makes them such powerful artists is that they have incredible powers of observation and they're deep feelers. And so it's like they get you at both levels. You're like, I'm screwed. Like you hear incredible creativity and, you know, the ability. Like they make great photographers because they just, they see. They just see what other people don't see. And then they can translate it creatively. It's pretty intense. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, and it's interesting watching you answer questions. Um, Tell me more. <laughs> you you are not a shoot from the hip guy. You are, and you you do you look off, and you then you answer that you you have this moment where you pause longer than the rest of us, and then you answer the question. And it's a, and even though it's not a terribly long pause, you're it's more thoughtful. It's suddenly more thoughtful, and uh, that's a five-ish quality. You know, it's like they're, you're you're you got so much stuff in. Like I said this earlier, you've got so much memory eaten up with information that this is the guy slower. when he gets a new piano, he will take the manual out and read it from the front to the very back, including the German and the French yes. translations <laughs> of it. Yeah, yeah. My so, my wife tells me my face is like a blank computer screen. At that's times. it. Well, that would be true. That's um, the she's ever said. That's five. No, but that's five-ish. That's yeah. five-ish. So I would look at five with four. And um, do you, I would, it's an amazing combination. Um, some of the best artists we have in the world are fives with fours. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. So what were you going to say, Megan? <laughs> Innocent bystander. <laughs> um we actually met because of Brendan's like quirkiness. Um, so it's not all lost. I mean, it's like, it's for really good reason. He has like, I guess, particular sleeping habits that Nina can attest to. All right. Um, and so there was like a situation where I was working and had to resolve his issue. And that's how I bumped into him. Yeah. We were on a cruise. And so I, that's how I met him. But, it's not all lost his uh, quirkiness mm-hmm. habits in particular mm-hmm. personality traits. It's amazing. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so yeah, I mean, I would just say if I were you, I never type people, right? Um, but I, I would just say I would do a focused research on fives. And I'll tell you where you could find it outside of, you know, some good sources for that um, that would help you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, Jeremy, you're a four- and you haven't said anything. You're observing everything going on. Yep. And uh, how do you know you're a four? It's the only one I can relate to, I think. Okay. Four with a five wing. Okay. Are you guys close? You and Brendan? Well, we did go to we high went school to, together. Yeah. Well, middle school. Wow. Through high school. And okay. then we didn't see each other for 10 years. <laughs> this is a weird story. But All right. We like each other. We're not best friends, though. Okay. Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. That would be so awesome. All of a sudden, Jeremy starts crying. Oh. <laughs> okay, let's, wait, let's talk. That was a fake what? all. That was a fake all. What? What? <laughs> but what right. I can relate to with Brendan is that I don't like to have, be asked questions, so I would like push it on other people. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when he said that, I was like, oh, I get that. Yeah. 
but we're like possibly the same but opposite maybe i don't know okay yeah <laughs> okay so who else we got who th- we think you might be a four is there any other four here no okay um and what's your job again i'm the stage manager stage guitar manager. tech which is fun to hear all this because i work for all these guys and dealing with them on stage knowing their enneagram numbers is like ruben who's a one like once everything's set up perfect and like we'll freak out if something's not working not freak out on me but just like you can watch him like be stressing out if like a guitar is out of tune and then jeff who i probably deal with the most because he's a guitar player doesn't really care (laughs) it's fine yeah it's okay the nine yep and then mike pretty much cares about what the crowd is getting as far as like emotionally which is why i think you're a four because you don't really you, you want them to have a good time but you want them to like get something and brendan pretty much deals with his own equipment because he's like very hands-on <laughs> yeah all right so there's a subtype of fours with oftentimes like y'all know me there's three subtypes under each number right self-preservation social and uh, sometimes it's called bonding or one-on-one or sexual right those that's the third one uh for fours and sixes and this so brother this might be good for you too the no, the three subtypes under fours and sixes are so freaking different from each other that they almost they might as well just be different numbers. I mean, they're so different. Uh, for nines and ones, there are nuanced differences. But I'm just telling you, the difference between a sexual four and a self-preservation four, it looks like two different numbers altogether. Or so, you know what I mean? Like it's so different. So if someone's worried about whether they're a four or not, uh, they're kind of confused. I say, well, the next level down would be let's go look at your subtypes. Right, uh, because sometimes it's almost like when you drop a lens when you go to get your eyes checked. It's like, is this clear? Is that clear? You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, we can't tell just on the surface. So let's go down one more level and see what what's happening in the subtypes. There is one subtype of fours that don't look like the like the like. There's a there's kind of a stereotype of fours like you know they're all poets and introverts and you know all over the map. You know what I mean? Like they're, that's, you know, wearing berets and like all black or crazy. I don't know. You know, you get the idea. There's one four that looks nothing like it. And in fact, that four looks like it oftentimes a three or a seven. Well, the self-preservation four still feels like there's something very deeply wrong with them. Fatally flawed. Some shameful loss in their past. They're very focused on the past. And if they had a mantra, it would be, what if... What if, what if that, what if only this, what if only that? So they're very focused into the past and they're, they're, they're addicted to their own suffering. Most, most force. There's a kind of a quality to it that it's like, it kind of, in fact, my identity is kind of wrapped up in the fatal flaw, you know, like that identity is a huge issue for force. Um, as is are of the issues of abandonment and loss. I've never met a four that did not have significant issues around abandonment and loss. Okay. The differences with the self-preservation four is the way that they try to deal with the missing piece is nothing like the way the other two do. They try to do it by compensating uh, with uh, success mm-hmm. um, by... Um, uh, they they are not as quirky appearing to other you know they don't present as special or unique as other fours will try to do 
uh, sort of aloof or set apart um, because they know that um, that is not actually going to help them get what they want, which is that missing piece on the side. It's like a whole different strategy. It's called the counter type, right? So it, it looks like the opposite, but it has the same motivation, right? So it's very possible you might just be a self-preservation for, which does not look like a social for, and a sexual for. Do you know what your subtype is? Okay. We were just talking about this. Yeah. Okay. Well, so if a sexual for, actually, I'm going to say something that's going to really freak all the sexual fours out out there. But uh, people think the eights are the hardest number on the enneagram, or you know, it can be like a. Poof. I'm just telling you, a sexual four could scare the bejesus out of an eight when they're not in a good space. They are potentially the most cruel number on the Enneagram. So uh, an unhealthy four who's a sexual subtype, they're, I mean, oh, that's rough. So I would look at that and I would look in a bunch of different sources because here's here's the thing about Enneagram literature. So much of it is, um, the nomenclature is so different. It's not like Jungianism where everybody uses shadow and, you know, all the archetypal language, the same. Everybody has different terminology a little bit, which I think is kind of cool, but, some people find it annoying. Ones probably find it a little bit annoying because it's like it's not consistent and structured, you know. But um, it seems to me that that's possible. Um, you sound a lot like a seven on the yeah. surface, but that doesn't mean you are. You have to. The seven wants to just avoid pain and unpleasant feelings, um, and the way they will do it, as you know, is to pursue pleasurable um fun adventure fascinating ideas but they live in the future so that actually might be a good question for you to ponder do you live more in the future or do you live more in the past in your head and your heart if i could speak into this okay the nine's gonna observe here good uh just like two days ago we were we, we just started a new tour and there's a lot of people we're opening up for mercy me a lot of people at these shows our set feels great. Our merch is selling. The food's good. Catering's great. We love the band. We're getting along. Everybody's like, this is great. Mike ended up in a place of, man, if we were only doing our own headlining show, like, I feel like this tour's going well because we're doing well also, like, on the radio. I feel like we could have just, we could have done this or we could do this instead. And I think he... Often you go back and think, oh, man, that one song, we should have put that one song out. This hmm. would be different if we just chased that down instead of what we did. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's it's the meaning. So to it. it took me 10 months as a therapist to figure out I was a four. Makes me feel better. And I just say that's true for any number. It can take a while. It's not like a test works, really, and because it can't really get at your underlying motivations. It only get at your traits and characteristics. And so don't feel discouraged if it, you just don't know it right away. Mm-hmm. It, it, in fact, I sometimes feel sorry for people who do get it right away because it's like they don't have to go through the learning every type and, and having to kind of like go around and figure out what's going on, you know? So, I mean, it's... Uh, and for a four, I mean, to spend all that time researching yourself, you know, for us, it's like, oh, lovely, you know, I can be self-absorbed forever. I mean, this is going to be great, you know. All right, so just closing out, let me ask you guys a question. You, you want to, if you, let's imagine this was the Metallica session, okay, but you're not in the same space as, as Metallica. Obviously, you're not, you're not in your crisis. What kinds of things would you want to know based on the, like, just, like, if you were asking, like, um, 
like just questions that you have that you can't find necessarily the answer in so far in Enneagram stuff that, that you'd be curious to know it and or or an issue that's coming up in the band that you're just wondering if the Enneagram has an answer for that we might bandy around for a second. Hmm. I think as we as we do dream about the future, I think one of the issues we've had as a band, we can dwell on the past and we can do pretty well in the present. But as far as like strategically thinking ahead, I don't feel like we've ever done a great job. Okay. So maybe as we navigate, um, you know, our we, Hannah's just stepping in. Part of why this last weekend was so emotional was our tour manager, who's been our road manager for 15 years. He's stepping out of that role. Hannah's mm. stepping into it. And so that's emotional. So there's kind of like, how do we navigate making big changes and I don't know, almost like being, cause sometimes I can, as like the driver of the ship, just, I feel a little bit of the pressure to just like come up with the ideas and here we go. But I also, I don't want to feel like I'm mowing people over. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's like, how do we get a more unified voice into future mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is that a clear enough question yeah i think so i think so for if you are a four fours tend to um make decisions very intuitively mm. and uh, depending on the wind they can be um uh they're just so uh so where I'm looking. yeah i just would say intuitively and they'll make mm-hmm. big decisions too intuitively uh which will drive ones crazy Right, because if you're like, I feel this is how the set should go. Yeah, not, exactly. I think this is how. If it's I feel this is how the set should go, not I think the five is going to say, I don't like change like this. Like I, I need to have some predictability. I really, this is how you've laid it out, and I don't really like uh, like this to this. Uh, now one will will have resistance for a whole different reason, which is like we shouldn't bend the rules. Like this is how, we just determined that this is the way it goes. And, you know, it's not a good thing to kind of like, you know, uh, it's irresponsible. There's a level of this is not a responsible move here, you know. Um, this would be more anxiety on your part, but it would be more like, oh, uh, what? What? You know. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So that would be a, a thing. And then, um, so that's the, when a four makes a decision like that, mm-hmm. it, it can freak a lot of people out, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I guess one of the things I would say is you um, – I mean, to what degree is this band a democracy? That's an interesting question, Ian. Because <laughs> we have we have owners, right? And we have band members, right? And we have, I guess, employees. And so it's not like nobody's like you have to do this this way. I feel right. like we try to at least let everybody feel right. like they can voice their opinions, and mm-hmm. we do some discussing before we make decisions mm-hmm. so i don't know is that a fair assessment yeah i mean it, it um probably the maybe the one of the most um uh, maybe an important thing to do would be to have someone actually from the outside come into the system and ask questions about the future hmm. um in, in part because um when it comes to being um uh it, Einstein has this great quote where he says, you know, the same consciousness that creates the problem can't solve it. Hmm. 
And so it may be that you need somebody else to put eyes on you um, and who has no vested interest in the outcome of the decision. Yeah. Okay. So you don't want to bring someone in who is tied to the organization somehow financially or any other way, but someone who can just come in and ask good questions and shrug if you do it or not. You know, it's like up to you, but this is what I see. This is what I'm picking up. This is a great time for us to ask you, Ian. We were just wondering about the future of our band and (laughs) wondering if you could kind of just speak in. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, I know you run our fan club and all, but yeah, you know, I don't think you. Well, I mean, um, so anyway, someone else that's who has great. other eyes, you know, to, to help see, because I think sometimes that's just how it is, you know, like in community, it's just very, very hard. You know, you are, a, the reason you're a mystery is because you're in it. And the problem with your band is it's always there. You can't step out of it to look at it. You're, it's like air. It is always there. And so there's no way for you to step back and look at oxygen and think about it, but someone else can, you know, uh, doesn't have that same relationship to it you know so dave the manager will have to find that uh the therapist from from you know uh the movie the metallica movie uh some kind of monster although that didn't turn out well in the end in that movie did it no he actually started writing lyrics for the band and they had to fire him (laughs) yo it was crazy man he like he he actually thought he was going to join the band in a way it was very strange anyhow um what else what other questions you would have like about the Enneagram in the band. I would want to know, like, if there's, a, like, um, not like a hierarchy, but a, a flow of a working an environment with different numbers. And is there, like, a thing where you just establish the three makes all the decisions, but the the nine and the five are definitely have to be consulted before that happens, like... You know, just just that dynamic of, I'm a nine, so I want everyone to be heard. Right. But I am not that great at making things happen because I feel confident that that's what we should do or whatever. Okay, so anyone in this circle can make a decision. They would just make it differently. Does that make sense? You know, I mean, like you just, you would just make it differently. And some of you would make it more boldly and maybe more assertively than others. Um but I guess what I would say is like, I think the point of the Enneagram, I'll say two things. One is, is to have enough self-knowledge that you move from reactivity to responsiveness, right. right? So that in a bus, man, you don't want reactive people around. You want people who are able to put the pause in. I call it like a little bit of a, I call it a comma in the sense, you know, like, like you put the comma in before you go into reactivity, which is the snap thing. Like this is, my limbic system just took over. I am now acting, thinking, and feeling reactively in my type. My personality has now taken the wheel and I'm just reacting without, you're mindless, literally. You're in mindless reactivity versus mindful responsiveness. Mm-hmm. And so taking the pause to um, think or feel wisely. I, I mean, I just the, the phrase I use for the Enneagram sometimes, like some people in business would talk about emotional intelligence. I like emotional wisdom, that you're just attuned to difference. And so in the moment to have enough pause and to know each other well enough and using the Enneagram as one of many tools that could help you do it, to say, okay, what what is happening in this moment? So, And then how do I need to regulate my response to actually bring about the healthiest 
um, more, um, yeah, the best outcome in this conversation, you know? And I, I just think what self-knowledge does, which actually, what I just described is actually more like self-awareness. So self-knowledge is almost like the information you need about yourself, right? But self-awareness is the ability in the moment to see how your personality is affecting other people. You know what I mean? Like, uh, self-awareness for you, Mike, might be if you were, let's say, a seven. The Viper thing doesn't work all the time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like in fact, to a five, it's really not a good thing. I mean, I'm just telling the truth. For most fives, first of all, he doesn't even like being touched if he's a five all that much. You come into his space too close, man, he's like, yeah! You know what I mean? Is that... I mean, it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Okay. Unless I invite you in. So what love means for him might be no viper for him. <laughs> Do you love That's me? Awesome. And the other, the other half of it is leave me in the bay of the bus, man. Like, you know, just, just let me, let me be down there reading the manual for my new keyboard. Um, <laughs> now, if, if, if um, you start to sense that, that he's isolating, love may be to say, uh, you know, I'm just picking up. Maybe you're checking out. Are you under? Are you feeling okay? You, you need know? a little visit from the Viper. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Just ask first. Yeah, that's right. I um, I think um, you know, with let's say for example, uh, with Jeff, there may be times where you're like, Jeff, we actually need you to weigh in on this. We can't afford to make this decision without you showing up and making your presence known and telling us your opinion instead of merging with the room's opinion you know like if you know because instead of saying yeah okay that sounds good and because everybody else wants to go that direction you may want to actually also give him two more days to answer the question that you're going to give everybody else hmm. because he's going to have to take time to think before he can answer you know he'll take a lot longer to answer a That's question good. than the rest of you will um particular you know uh yeah, for sure. Um, and um, I would say that with, you know, with a one in the space, you know, if um, you begin to sense, um, oh, let me also say this. When you start to feel him being passive aggressive or he's checking out, this is, I'm talking about Jeff the Nine here. Like when he's like staring around like kind of like dissociative, ask him what he's mad about. Dude. Dang. I cuts deep. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah, like ask him what he's mad about because the anger in him is actually kind of putting him to sleep. Hmm. He wants to fall asleep. So, the, so the like the thing about the Enneagram is, and this is like if you were to take all the teachings of Christian mystics for the last five hundred years, they all say the same thing. It's just so simple. Wake up. <laughs> like I just think the journey towards spiritual health and in, in any whether you're a Christian or not is waking up to. The urgent immediacy of God's presence in all things, in all people, and in all situations. Um, and to see God in all things. Mm-hmm. And But if you're asleep to it, and we tend to fall asleep in our patterns, our patterns are very hypnotic. And they, cut, they just take over so reflexively, so quickly. Um, they're so programmed into us that just learning them and then catching ourselves as we're falling into them so we don't fall asleep and then live in that space of I'm just not here now. Yep. And it's so easy in the spiritual life to, to do that. And actually also that to take religion in service to justifying what it is that we're doing. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, Oh yeah. So this is how God supports my way of seeing the world and that without having to take anybody else's into consideration. 
as a possibility. So each of you brings something really special to the table. Nine, the peace of God. One, the goodness of God, right? Uh, the, you, you're very concerned about fairness, man, you know? And, but nine, when you're unhealthy, you no longer bring the peace of God. You, you actually kind of bring this. I'm gonna, I'll come back around this. So, right, peace of God, goodness of God. Uh, Mangwin, you're a three. I really, you're, you're very effective. Um, there's an effect, you know, God is generative, all right? A generator of things, right? God accomplishes stuff, right? God gets stuff done. No one gets stuff done like threes. Eights do a different reason, but, but threes get accomplishments, right? Wisdom, knowledge of God, omniscience, that's the gift that the five brings when it's healthy. Seven's the joy of God when they're healthy. Unhealthy, happiness. That's, that's not, then it's so much different, right? So four, the pathos and the beauty of God. Yeah. Mm. No one's more empathic than fours. Nobody is better at helping people uh, go to dark places and be okay. I don't know if Sufyan's a four or not, but you listen to Carrie and Lowell, and he's taking people places to feelings they didn't know they had or didn't want to know they had. And when he does it, it's like, come on, man. It's going to be all right. We can go together. I'll show you what it's like to live in these in these kinds of spaces, you know. So that's pathos, right? And that creativity of God. Hmm? Three. I've already said it. God bless you. Glad you're doing the job you are, by the way, because the rest of this would be a mess. All right. And, and Mike, either the joy of God or, again, the creativity or the pathos of God, That's that remains to be seen, you know. Um, and it's also your older than the other guys that you, so you've you've had more pain to have time with pain and and experience and that makes the number for you softer it will not be as clear-cut mm. to you as it may be the younger guys in the band because they're still they may just be less self-aware i don't know if that's true or not because i don't know you guys at all but if they are that gives you a softer uh dimension to the number it may be a little bit harder to nail down um, I would be curious to know what would happen to your band. I, I would look by, one day you ought to look at your organization. I don't know who else is in the organization with you guys, but see what numbers are missing. Be interesting. You're missing a two that I can see, a six. Um, you, you do have an eight. You suspect your drummer who's not here. So is it two and six that we're missing? You got a one, you got a three, yeah. you got a four, two and six. Dave, what are you? You're a seven? seven. You're a seven? Yeah, so you don't have anyone in the band who knows how to tap a break and stop. And to ask the question, is this really a good idea? Have you guys thought about this uh, happening if we do that? You know, like being able to tap a break if, you know, the rest of you. Although the five and the one that's might. Our, that's our drummer, that question. So we're really? saying he might. Is that. What, so what he might use, that? Right, you said he might be a counterphobic that six. That is his question. Devil's Always. advocate? Interesting. Oh, oh man, we could do this. Well, that could mean that could screw up our cash flow, or this could happen. Right? He's the first 100%. one to see what's wrong with the plan. Okay. Yeah. So that might be a good place to look. First one to see the problem and the plan. You got to have those people around, man, because otherwise oh, yeah. you could drive a bus right off a road if dreams and ideas and impulses, right? And uh, people willing to go along. Um, <laughs> he just Why that nine, tapping the nine on the tapping shoulder. the nine. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you're missing a two, which would be a, usually like as whoever's on the front line, um, somebody who who just wants to, and they'll make your they'll make everything shine, man. Twos, threes, and fours. Most they, twos will make an organization shine, and so they're so image conscious, but they also just bring the love of God to when they're healthy. 
The problem is when you're unhealthy, you're all taking those gifts into into service for what your ego's agenda is. Right. So now the nine is like, it's no longer, I want to bring the peace of God to the world, right? Uh, represent, I mean, remember, you have all these things in all of you, but, you know, your specialty is nine, is, right, is the bringing the peace, man. Well, peace involves conflict. Oftentimes, the only way you get to peace is through conflict, right? But if you're ditching conflict, that's in service to your own agenda, which is, I don't want to have to deal with conflict. I would rather be unaffected by life. Well, that's your ego in charge now. You see that, like, so when you're healthy, man, you're an improver. When you're unhealthy, you're a perfectionist. And rather, now you don't want to just improve things. You're fighting reality. You're in, you're, ones are literally in an argument with reality, which is, I can make this place perfect. That's slightly psychotic. So, <laughs> so now, I'm not putting you down. I'm just saying that, that, that so for you, um, then all of a sudden, that's in service to your... Uh, that, that need to perfect is actually it's, it could be self-righteous uh, my way there's two ways it's my way and the wrong way um, and but it's really in service to uh, self-protection uh, I don't want to make mistakes I don't I don't you know uh, the world will end you know and uh, you know for a five you know to bring the knowledge of God but when you take knowledge and you for you know it's in really in service to um, I don't want to look inept. I don't want to look inadequate. You know, I, I've got to be ready. I got to retreat up into my head. It's all fear-based. You know, it's like, and I could go around the room. It's like, it's there. When your gifts are taken into the service of your own agenda, that's when crap falls apart. Mm-hmm. And when you can start to realize when you're going to the back, when you're going to the dark side, yeah, to help yourself pull up on the stick on the plane is... Um, you know, you want to move toward diligence. One, you want to move toward serenity. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Right? That's for one. Serenity is your virtue to work on. Diligence is yours. Generosity, five, is yours. To not see the world as a place that's scarce. Get rid of a scarcity mindset and move mm. toward abundance. Wow. And believing that the more you give, the more you'll get. That's just spiritual physics. Whether you're a Christian or not, that's kind of like how God set the universe up. Fives don't believe it, so they retain everything. You know, information, privacy, information about themselves. You know what I mean? Like it's very tightly wrapped. And for you guys, if you're fours, right? I mean, pathos and and uh, and creativity. What you need is equanimity. And that's a word. I wish I'd ever heard a sermon on equanimity. I've never heard one before. Which just means that when the Buddhists are the ones who talk brilliantly about equanimity. So for you guys, it would be, how do I live in emotional balance regardless of what life throws at me? Mm. So that my emotions, because if, you're, if you are fours, then you don't have feelings, you are your feelings. That's where your, your identity, so the problem is that your identity is constantly shifting then. You have no grounded identity. You're just, you're just like a balloon up in the clouds, just like wandering around, like, you know, zapping back and forth, whatever your feeling is, that's what you are. Well, not true. You're the mountain, not the clouds, you know, and equanimity is just saying, yeah, no emotions final. Um, This is just, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Well, that was a long lecture to your band about. Oh, that's awesome. We receive. 
Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you came on. Yeah. Thanks for having this us. This was a ball. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this, this was kind of crazy. Anyhow, 10th Avenue North, you're on tour. What, what's your, what, what's, what dates? What, where, they just go to your website. I'm assuming it's 10th, yeah, yeah. 10th Avenue 10th North. 10th Avenue North. Dot com. Yeah. All spelled out. You're on tour. Mercy me. I know you're at the Ryman Auditorium on the 3rd. Mm-hmm. Right? I like in the balcony, center, maybe I'll take the front row, but maybe five back would be sweet. So I have good sight lines and the best sound in the house. And then Dave, Dave's the manager. Thank you, Dave. Uh, And um, again, I'm just, this was really, really fun for me to just be here and uh, have a few minutes inside your your circle. So thanks. Welcome. Thanks, Thanks, Ian. All right.